What's up guys, real quick before the episode, if you've been following the story up until this point, you already kind of know the tone of the show, but this episode is gonna have some more mature themes, so I probably wouldn't listen to it around your baby. If you wanna know the details, you can check that in the episode description. All right, on to the good stuff. He'd seen that look before. After a pit fight, it shone plain on the face of the man who'd wagered on the victor. It glowed in the eyes of a sot as he leered across the dram house at the girl in the corner. It was the starving horse that drove the ruined cart of a milk chaser's dying body as he prowled for the next bead of sticky dark wax. It was greed and lust and hunger, deep and black and insatiable. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode. If you're not caught up yet, I will have a link to the full playlist down in the show notes, so make sure to check that out there. Question of the week, who is your favorite villain? You already know I got my answer locked and loaded, so stick around to the end of the episode for that, but I wanna hear from you in the comments. All right, onto the good stuff. I'm Josh Call, and this is Last Coliseum. The squat man's hawk shop was bursting with rubbish. A rust-spotted suit of plate kept a lonely vigil near the grime-crusted window. A number of cages dominated one wall, with all manner of screeching, chittering, rattling things cooped up inside. A dozen dinted knives jutted out of a dismembered mannequin, dangling overhead like a candelabra, an enormous stuffed and balding seabird. A small clump of yellow stuffing fell in Lee's hair as he walked beneath it. Morning, Gus, he called to the man behind the counter as he navigated the narrow strip of floor between the rolling hills of clutter. He stepped over the other man's ancient hound. The great blind beast was napping in a patch of sunlight and looked rather like it was melting into the floor. The hawk's hands were laced over his round little belly. His thick spectacles made his eyes too big for his face. Little Lee Lightfingers, he nodded, peering up at him over his pustulous nose, starting to think you'd forgot about me. How's business? No complaints. How's the ulcer? Not but complaints. He sighed and ran his stubby fingers through his hair. He hopped up onto the little footstool behind the counter so that he loomed over Lee. What do you got for me, then? The thief plunked a metal handful on the countertop. Rings and gemstones went skittering. He caught one as it almost rolled off the counter. The hawk squinted down at his plunder, unimpressed. He began to sort the loot into two piles, muttering as he did. Fake. Fake. Ugly. Fake. Lee wasn't surprised. This was the ritual every time he brought in contraband. Still, it made his stomach clench as he saw the pile of saleable trinkets growing smaller and smaller. Gus paused for a long moment, looking at a jet ring with a gold setting. His huge eyes narrowed as he held it up to the light. Fake he declared at last, plunking it down on the glass. But a handsome fake, I'll give you that. Lee took the ring between his thumb and his forefinger, cursing in his head. He'd been sure that one was true. Gus gestured to the smaller of the two piles. I'll give you three for the lot. Three crowns, Lee bristled. Are you pulling my leg? The short man shrugged. Business isn't what it used to be. No one wants to pay full price for a lifted trinket. And every other turn, I got grey cloaks snooping around, wanting to know where I got this necklace and that looking glass. He counted out the gold and pushed the stack across the counter. Sorry, lad, he told him. If it weren't you, I would have said one. Lee swept the coins off the counter. He left the fake valuables where they were. Gus scooped up the whole handful and hucked it in the rubbish bin. Lee looked down at the coins in his hand. Well, 
Suppose I knew someone who was looking for a buyer, he began, same as he had a hundred times before. It was all a part of the little game they played. A rich one. Got his hands on a necklace with an emerald the size of your left egg. Gold setting. The hawk's bug eyes glittered with interest. He raised an eyebrow. You saying you couldn't find me, him, a buyer? Well, that's different, isn't it? The short man replied. I'm not sending out ravens for a handful of irons, but for the right trinket. I could see if there's any interest abroad. He leaned over the counter. You have it with you? Lee shook his head. So some pinchpenny can slip his hand in my pocket? Or a keeper can get it in his head to frisk me? I'd have to be a damn fool to be walking around with it. Dangerous times, the other man agreed. They were always dangerous. The boy reached into his other pocket. Here. The hawk took the folded scrap of paper and smoothed it on the countertop. The charcoal rubbing the thief had made was crude, slightly smudged from his pocket. Hmm, the little man grunted. Size of my left egg, you say? And a seven-point star for the houses and holds. Hmm. The boy waited impatiently for the hawk's verdict. After a fashion, he looked up at Lee. It'll depend on the quality of the stone, what my man in Nexus says, etc. But say he gets, oh, I don't know, three hundred? You'd take home one in fifty, free and clear. One in fifty? The thief's heart raced. He kept his face blank. How long will that take? The hawk shrugged. Who can say? Lee hesitated. Now came the hard part. Listen, I, I was hoping I could get a deposit for it. I it being me and all. A deposit? The hawk blinked. I'm not a bank boy. And I'm not a boy, Gus, Lee replied evenly. I need twenty crowns, and I need it today. He reached for the paper and returned it to his pocket. He could see a vein throbbing in the other man's temple. So, if you can't help me, suppose I'll have to find another hawk. He waited for a response. The squat man stared at him. His eyes were slits. A flush crept up his doughy cheeks. In one of the cages, a cat yowled. Lee shrugged and went for the door. His jaw was clenched and he let the scowl slide across his features once his back was to the hawk. He stepped over the droopy hound. His hand was on the door when Gus's voice stopped him. Wait. He turned, blank-faced, eyebrows raised. I know every other hawk in this city, the other man growled. We're all feeling the squeeze. You'd be hard-pressed to find any one of them who'll give you twenty crowns on deposit. His shoulders slumped. His voice dropped a fraction. If the keepers catch me with your bauble, they could take my shop. I need the gold. Listen, if you want to sell it to me, I'll give you gold today. But you're a good lad, and I'd feel guilty offering only a sliver of what your piece is worth. He'd produced a bowl and a small rag and begun polishing the stolen jewelry Lee had just sold him. If you want my advice, stretch those crowns for a turn or two. Come by next moon, and I don't have till next moon. He was all too aware that for every day he spent ducking the jackdaw, the eventual consequences mounted higher. He had no interest in finding out if the awful stories they told about him were true. Then go to another hawk, Gus told him abruptly, and he'll tell you the same as me. He plucked his spectacles off the bridge of his nose and wiped down the lenses. His eyes were dark and squinty without them. Only difference is, perhaps he goes down to the dram house and pays a few bullies to take that trinket off of your corpse. He donned his spectacles and offered the thief a smile that was apologetic, if I might forced. I'm sorry. With that, the squat man took his new-bought merchandise, hopped down off his little stool, and trundled through a door behind the counter into his office. 
Good seeing you, Lee, he called over his shoulder, as if that settled it. Lee waited until he came back. Alone, then, the hawk blinked. He'd hidden in the back for several minutes, waiting for him to go. Lee shrugged. I can't leave without that coin. An ashen canopy had rolled across the sky by the time he left the shop, his pockets heavy with gold. Yet another invisible string lashed around him like a lead weight about his neck. Gus had set steep terms for the loan, perhaps hoping that Lee would balk and leave without signing. He'd accepted without a moment's hesitation. You owe someone deep, don't you? The hawk muttered as he eyed the contract. He sounded worried. Good seeing you, Gus, the thief replied, walking out. He made straight for Paul's place. He hadn't been there since the night he took Sim to the pits, as much to avoid the old woman's ire as to dodge the jackdaw's brutes. Even if he tried explaining why he'd let Sim run home alone, she wouldn't understand. Her voice rang in his ears. What if he'd been killed? I trust you to watch him, and you leave him in an alley to play sneak thieves with your silly boxer. What if he'd been killed? He hoped the crowns would soften her a bit. He hadn't yet decided where he'd tell her he'd gotten them. Fifteen, he hoped, would be more than enough to square his debt to the jackdaw, even if he tried to squeeze Lee for being late. A few extra crowns for Paul would keep her and the boys fed and dry at least through the coming rainy season. The old woman's snaggletooth house jutted out slightly from the others. It glared austerely down at him as he approached. The whole structure slightly bowed as if the top story might topple off and flatten him. He lingered for a moment in the shadows of the alley. He was comfortable there. He made out a flicker of movement beyond the first floor windows, but that was all. A couple of Paul's boys were scampering around on the street, firing acorns at each other with slingshots. An errant nut thrummed past an inch from his head. He threw up a hand to protect his face. He'd been pelted with more than enough acorns in his day, and hurried across the cobbled street to the door. He was in the middle of the street when they moved in from their hiding places on either side of the house. Rooster and Krask. Lee fought his first impulse to bolt. He'd already spun halfway to the alley when he locked eyes with Roost. The tall man had a short sword with a thin blade sheathed on his belt. He laid a hand on the pommel and looked meaningfully at the boys playing nearby. Lee's heart sank. Already Krask was coming at him like a bull, his big meaty hands extended. Lee spun around one powerful arm as the juggernaut thundered past. He skipped back a step, one arm out to each of them. Goodman, he greeted them, taking care not to let panic creep into his voice. Why don't we take a walk? Rooster ran his long fingers through his blonde hair and said with a voice like lamp oil, Sure, let's take a walk. Krask just glowered. The boys had faltered in their game and were watching Lee's encounter with the brutes unfold. Rooster curled a hand around the thief's shoulder and steered him painfully toward an alley. Out of the corner of his eye, Lee saw one of the boys knock an acorn into his slingshot. He made a small gesture to stop him from loosing the nut at the back of Krask's bald head. The moment they were down the alley and out of sight, Roos slammed him up against the wall. Lee was expecting this. He braced himself. But a knee in the eggs is a knee in the eggs. He buckled over and tried not to vomit. Your debt's past due, came Rooster's dribbling voice from far away, muffled by the waves of pain cresting over Lee's head. I was actually looking for you, the thief said in a strangled voice. I have his money. Krask swore and called him a liar. You've been ducking us. The reply was on his lips before he could catch it. With a face like that, can you blame me? The shorter man snarled and reared back to hit him again. Krask! His comrade caught his arm and pinned it to the brick behind him. Not till after. 
Crass grunted and shook Roos off him. He spat, a thick brownish gobbet that splatted in the thief's dark hair. Rooster looked imperiously down at Lee, who was still hunched near the ground. He's waiting for you. Lee mopped his face with the back of his sleeve, grit his teeth, and nodded. They led him through the maze of back streets into the heart of the Copper District, Rooster before him and the Bulldog behind. Any time they marched past an adjoining alley or a flight of rickety stairs to an upper landing, Lee eyed it longingly. He'd planned to set a meeting with the Jackdaw to settle his account, but not just yet. Not like this. When he caught him gazing down a potential exit, Crass would shove the thief roughly forward. Run and I'll break your knees, the brute rumbled. They led him deep into the coppers. The omnipresent roar of the Jacksom had faded to a distant hum by the time they reached the door. A stale, smoky smell overhung the alley. The door itself was scored and weathered, but reinforced with iron bands. Rooster knocked twice, then twice again, then once. A pause. Then a click as the lock shot back and the door groaned wide. The thick stench of sweet milk hit him like a fist. His eyes watered as his captors led him into the milk den. It was dimly lit by a couple of lamps and the meager light that filtered through a pair of filthy windows caked with years of black residue. The two tree trunks who guarded the door and the barkeep tending to his clients all wore padded leather masks to filter out the smoke. Lee's head spun, starbursts exploding in his vision as he choked on the sweet fumes. Rooster and Krask led him to a narrow staircase, kicking aside the attic sprawled on their mats as they went. The guards made no move to stop them. One of the milk chasers clutched feebly at Lee's ankle, moaning incoherently, and the thief flinched back. A shiver ran down his spine to see the wide, cloudy eyes of the chaser before he settled back on his mat. It was a blessed relief when the brutes led him through a second locked door and out of the milk den. He was in a corridor with several closed doors on either side. He heard muffled whispers through the wood. Skylights spaced at even intervals along the ceiling flooded the corridor with cold daylight. A few wisps of sweet milk smoke clung to his clothes as they plunged down the hallway toward a door at the end. "'Enter,' murmured a deep, familiar voice at the blond man's knock. Lee's hackles rose. He took an instinctive step back. Rooster and Krask seized him by the arms and forced him inside, filling the doorway behind him. This room was likewise well lit by the long windows on the far side. They overlooked a gray, empty street lined with dilapidated houses and boarded-up shopfronts. A wide shadow enveloped Lee. Even sitting, he was nearly as tall as the thief was and three times as wide. The bulbous dome of his bald head had a sheen of sweat. He mopped his brow with the silk kerchief that was tucked into his collar. The jackdaw. He'd hardly looked up from his meal. The table in front of him was dominated by a wooden platter of charcuterie. He seized a morsel and slung it down the back of his gullet. He washed it down with a dainty sip from a porcelain teacup that was almost laughable in his fat paw. He motioned to a chair on the far side of the table and told Lee in a voice that was cheerful and dangerous, Sit, he sat. Been a while, hasn't it? Are you hungry? Lee was not. The jackdaw plucked a thin slice of crimson meat that was studded with peppercorns and proffered it to the thief. Wild boar from South Reach, he rumbled. Cured for three moons in a wine cellar. Delicious. He took it and reluctantly ate. The morsel melted in Lee's mouth. He hardly tasted the rich flavors mingling on his tongue. 
The big man reached for the large metal kettle near his elbow. Drink? He poured and slid a thimble of coffee to the thief. Loosen up, lad. I'm not gonna kill you. Flanking the door, Krask made a noise in the back of his throat that betrayed his disappointment. The jackdaw. Kill him. He'd said his name when Lee met him last. Only had eyes for Lee. How's your boy? It had been only a day after he made his appeal in the dingy grog shop that the three vials had shown up at Paul's place bound with twine, two of them amber-colored, the last one clear. Sim's fever broke just two days later. Better, Lee muttered, not quite meeting the jackdaw's eye. The medicine worked. A pause, then, in a low voice. Thank you. Killam made a magnanimous gesture. He dismembered a small loaf of brown bread, showering the table with crumbs. It's a terrible shame that what one man can buy for only a few crowns, another man dies without. It's why I do what I do. I get folk what they need. His beetle-black eyes glittered with interest. Lee saw his own face reflected in their dark orbs. Do you have all that you need, Lee? Lee swallowed against the tangy taste that clung to his tongue and nodded. Good, the big man replied. Now here's what I need. He laced his fingers together and leaned across the table. I need the men who come to parley with me to know that I am very serious about the terms of a bargain. Deadly serious. I, I, I have your coin. The thief fumbled with his pockets and plunked a loose handful of crowns on the table. One of them bounced across the floorboards. He stepped on it. Fifteen, he said with a certainty he suddenly did not feel. Should be more than enough. The jackdaw never even looked at the pile of gold. Our terms were for twice the value of what I gave you. I... His fear tasted like hot copper on his tongue. The big man wore a faint smirk as he drummed his fingers on the tabletop. He was clearly enjoying himself. Anger flared hot in Lee's chest. You just said a few crowns. You didn't pay more than five for that medicine. This last, he said through gritted teeth. I gave you a life. Kellum corrected him. What's that worth to you? He leaned back in his chair, peeled another flap of meat off the platter and tossed it down his gullet. Now double it. It wasn't about the money, he realized. Not at all. Lee could have thrown down a hundred crowns and the jackdaw still wouldn't have budged. He saw a flash out of the corner of his eye. He looked back and saw that Rooster had edged his short sword two inches out of its sheath. What do you want? Lee growled, willing his voice to stay even. The jackdaw shrugged. What does any man want? He mused. A full belly. A soft bed. Someone to keep me warm at night. The smile hovering at the edge of his mouth inched wider. A shudder ran down Lee's spine. He'd seen that look before. After a pit fight, it shone plain on the face of the man who'd wagered on the victor. It glowed in the eyes of a sot as he leered across the dram house at the girl in the corner. It was the starving horse that drove the ruined cart of a milk chaser's dying body as he prowled for the next bead of sticky dark wax. It was greed and lust and hunger, deep and black and insatiable. A face like yours could fetch a crown a night easy, the big man murmured. His eyes were far away, his voice smooth and dreamlike. 
I'll let you keep half, he offered. We'll call it even in a year. His eyes found Lee's again, and he shrugged. Unless you get a taste for it. He felt the ground crumbling beneath him, below the impossible inky dark. He was going to die. The knowledge struck Lee like a blow from a hammer. He rocked with the impact. From the moment he first stepped through the grog shop door to make his ask, it was as good as done. The only question was when, now or a year from now. And between this point and that one, hell, pure and plain. He could feel their eyes on him, expectant. He took a deep breath, and in his heart he muttered a tiny prayer to the god of Paul. He hoped it'd be enough. Then he let out his breath in a great whoosh and told the jackdaw where he could stuff his offer. The big man nodded, as if he'd expected Lee's answer. All right. Before the reply was fully out of his mouth, powerful hands seized the thief by his shoulders and lifted him out of the chair. He thrashed in their grip. The jackdaw's thugs were unyielding. Krask slammed his face up against the wall. He felt his teeth scissor into his cheek and blood sluiced down his chin. Rooster kicked his feet apart, the weight of his own body pressing his face harder against the wood. He heard fibers breaking as one of them sawed through his rope belt. His breeches were yanked down around his knees. Lee howled and bucked against them. Krask cuffed him across the ear and snarled at him to shut his mouth. The alternative offer is... The jackdaw's voice had moved. He was horribly close. After my boys and I take turns with you, I can sell whatever's left for scrap meat. He felt a hand that was warm and greasy and studded with rings cup his backside almost tenderly. An awful shudder coursed through him. No, please! Lee shouted, squirming away from the touch. I, I can get you more money! I have money. The jackdaw assured him. Lee felt his hot breath on the back of his neck. Anything! I'll do whatever you want! Silence. A humid puff on his neck. Anything. The hand pawing at his ass withdrew. There was a long pause. All Lee could hear was the hammer of his own heart and the creak of the floorboards. His vision was blurry with sweat and tears. Out of the corner of his eye, he made out a flicker of movement from a figure that was dark and massive. A meaty hand seized a hank of Lee's long hair and yanked him upright, his head craned back. The thief cried out and threw up a hand to parry the offending limb. His attacker caught it easily and pinned Lee's arm to his side. His grip was crushing. The jackdaw's body was an iron furnace. He pressed the thief against his barrel chest. His breath tickled the side of his neck. I hear you know how to get things from hard to reach places, the monster breathed in his ear. Lee nodded. Killam's stubble grated against his cheek. What do you know about the Reaper? Immediately, in the eye of his mind, Lee saw the big black wings inked on the brawler's leathern hide. He's back, he croaked. At the edge. Fought a few days ago. He almost said more. The sellsword, the carriage, the conversation he'd overheard between the brawler and the unseen man with the liar's voice. But then he saw the jackdaw's face reflected in the glass cabinet near the door. His features were distorted and misshapen, but the hunger that blazed there was unmistakable. He bit his tongue before he could say more. Do you think you could find him? Came his eager whisper. He nodded. He doubled back that night, once it was clear that the sellsword wasn't coming after him, staying high on the rooftop in case he had to bolt. He'd watched the brawler slip through the door of the tavern, taking a mental note of the filigreed door before he slipped away. Not that it mattered. 
The moment Lee quitted the jackdaw's den, he was gone. A thousand leagues wouldn't be enough distance between himself and the man Killam. I'd very much like to meet him. Or his corpse, Rooster added with a giggle. In the glass, Lee saw the jackdaw's eyes flash with anger. Rooster's laughter died on his lips. What do you say, boy? Killam murmured. He released his grip around Lee's wrist. Immediately, his hands went to cover his shriveled bits. Will you help me find him? Lee agreed readily to the jackdaw's terms. He was already drawing up his plan to give his back to the edge and never come back. He'd find another hawk and get whatever he could for the necklace. It caused him some slight unease to break contract with Gus, but that was a distant concern next to keeping his own neck. He'd leave half the gold for Paul and the boys, tell her he was taking a pilgrimage to the Citadel at Nexus to straighten himself out. After that, there were caravans leaving the city every day, north for Haven or east for the wide world. With the pennies he'd saved, plus whatever he got for the necklace, he'd have plenty to start over in any corner of the Dominion. As if he could read his thoughts, the jackdaw clapped a hand on Lee's shoulder as he reached down to pull up his breeches. Don't take this lightly, the big man cautioned him. I've known too many pinch pennies to trust a word from your mouth. But here's why you'll do exactly what I say. Lee found himself transfixed by a small white scar that twisted above his upper lip. It writhed like a snake as he spoke. I have clients who work the lifts, Killam rumbled. His breath was hot and wet and rank. And I have friends in the gray cloaks. So if you try to run, or you try to cheat me, I will find you. That same confident smirk twitched at the corner of his mouth. And when I do, quick as a snake, he lunged forward and licked him, a wide wet stripe from jawline to brow. I will run you ragged and leave your corpse in the street. Now the grin broke across his cheeks, fat and satisfied. Good luck, lad. He scooped one of the crowns off the table and flicked it at Lee's chest. Next time, wear something pretty. Rooster and Krask took him out the way he came, half marching, half dragging him out through the milk den downstairs. They threw him down hard in the alley outside. The wet cobbles were cold on his bare ass. His mouth ached. Krask spat on him, and they disappeared down the alley, their laughter echoing horribly in their wake. Lee pulled up his breeches and limped down a different back street, though his own apartment and Paul's place were both in the same direction the jackdaw's thugs had gone. He found a quiet alcove and sat down heavily on a broken crate. A sudden rush of emotion overtook him, relief and fear mostly, and shame. He stayed there for a long while, his body racked with dry sobs, his cheeks sticky with the jackdaw's spit, still grasping his shriveled bits like a lifeline. Thank you guys so much for listening. It really does mean the world to me. Whether you're catching this on YouTube or on podcasts, please make sure to leave a comment and a five-star review because that really does help this story to reach more people. My all-time favorite villain would have to be Randall Flagg from The Stand by Stephen King. Someday I should do a deep dive and show all of the different places that this character shows up throughout the Stephen King universe. But if you haven't read The Stand, I highly recommend it. The intro chapter for this character will melt your face. It's so good and so chilling. Have you read The Stand? Let me know in the comments and let me know your favorite villain down below. I'll catch you guys next week.